What a great song. A song that comes from the picture in Revelation, the picture of the new heaven and new earth, which we are guaranteed to be part of, all because Christ is risen and has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for each of us. And our Bible reading for today makes that connection between Christ's resurrection and the promise of our own. So from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 28. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom of God the Father after he destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son of Man himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Those are the words of our text. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today is the last Sunday in the church year. I mean, we have fiscal years, we have calendar years, and we have church years, and today is the last Sunday in the church year. And it is important that we make the connection between the theme of this day and the theme of our entire Christian life. Maybe the words, it is finished, will help us make that connection. On this last Sunday in the church year, we can say, it is finished. Another year of Christian celebration is finished. And we can say with joy, it is finished, because those same words were said on Good Friday many years ago. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. And that was a victory statement. Sin and death had been destroyed. So when we say it is finished today, we echo that same victory. So let's make that connection between the last Sunday in the church year and Good Friday. It is finished. But the sermon is not. We're going to make some more connections. And we're going to use a tool of <clears throat> logic to help us out a bit here. <clears throat> now, some of you may have heard of something called a syllogism. A syllogism is a well-connected argument. It is a deductive scheme of formal argument, which is always deductive by nature. And I see a few of my former students out there who had me for critical thinking. So you may notice some argument patterns. For example, one a popular pattern is to have one major premise, one minor premise, and then a conclusion. And if you crawl from class, there's something called modus ponens. And it goes like this. If A, then B. A, therefore B. So if A, then B is the major premise, A is the minor premise, and B is the conclusion. It's always deductively correct. And the use of logic helps us figure that out. 
Now, I know that when it comes to all great Christian truths, ultimately they are not accepted by reason or logic, but, but by faith. But logic can be a helpful tool at times. The Apostle Paul used logic to make a very profound connection, <clears throat> a connection between Christ's resurrection and our own. Well, let's <clears throat> look at his reasoning for a second. Actually, we should probably look at his reader's reasoning first. They agreed with Paul that Christ had risen from the dead. That fact was not at all disputed. But they didn't see any connection between Christ's resurrection and their own. It was a non sequitur to them. It did not follow that just because Christ rose that they too would rise. They didn't make that connection. But Paul did, and he used the tool of logic. He refuted their argument. He turned the tables. He took their conclusion and made it his first premise. He started out by saying, just for the sake of argument, that if there is no resurrection of the dead, well, then what? Well, if that's the case, then here's the conclusion. Paul said in verse 13, if there is no resurrection of the dead, Christ was not raised. Wow, no one would dare say that. Maybe they needed to rethink their conclusion. Maybe they needed to make that connection between Christ's resurrection and their own. We certainly need to make that connection between Christ's resurrection and our own. But first we need to understand what was resurrected about Christ. I mean, it's not just the memory of Jesus that lives on. Our Lord himself lives. It's not just the spirit of Jesus that was raised. It's the very man who died on the cross who was raised gloriously. It's not just the teachings of Jesus that remain. The teacher himself remains and is still at work. We're talking complete personal resurrection here. Christ's resurrection was as complete and personal as death itself. You see, the resurrection presupposes death. And Paul proposes to make a connection between death and sleep. He refers to those who have died that they have fallen asleep. And Paul uses this illustration often in Scripture, but it is only an illustration and not a euphemism. Using sleep as a euphemism for death makes death seem like some cozy nap in a waterbed. And even though we don't know a whole lot about death, since we who are alive are not privy to that experience, it does seem that the process of death seems anything but cozy, and the sleeping quarters are a far cry from waterbed status. But Paul does use sleep as an illustration for death. If there is anything in the human experience which resembles death, it would be sleep. And that's because sleep is a prelude to being awakened, just like death is a prelude to being awakened on the last day. That is the connection Paul makes between sleep and death. Paul makes a number of connections in our text. He makes the connection between death and victory. We recall that Paul said, in Adam all die. See, Adam is the origin of our problem with death. He sinned, and the penalty for sin 
was death. Paul clarifies that relationship a little more in Romans 5.12. He says, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death also spread to all people since all sinned. You see, we inherit Adam's sin. Therefore, we also inherit Adam's penalty, namely death. Get the connection? But Paul also suggests that despite our connection with death, we are also connected with victory. If Adam is the origin of our problem, it is Christ who is the solution to our problem. He is our solution because he connected himself to us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reads, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. See, Christ was more than marginally connected with our sin. He became our sin. And not only did he become our sin, he became our penalty for sin. Paul writes in Galatians 3.13, Christ paid the price to free us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Well, Christ hung on the tree, the tree of the cross. And he didn't just experience the penalty of death. He became our penalty of death. And that penalty is finished. Death is finished. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? It is gone because Christ is risen. And his resurrection is just the beginning. Paul refers to Christ as the first fruit. That implies subsequent fruits, subsequent resurrections, our own included. But be patient, Paul wrote, but each one in his own turn, Christ the first fruit, then when he comes, those who belong to Christ. There is indeed a connection, a victorious connection between Christ's resurrection and our own. Christ is the victor. So let's take one last look on this last Sunday in the church here at that victor and, and his victory. And let's look at him in light of the final victory, our final victory. Verse 26, Paul said, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is the final hurdle in our Christian lives, and Christ will get rid of it for us. And we know that because he got rid of it for himself. Christ is risen. And because he lives, we too shall live. Get the connection? Everything that God does for us, he does out of love. And, and that love is even present at our death. That's why the psalmist could say, Blessed in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It is a blessed sight because that last enemy called death will be gotten rid of on the last day. And when we see, see God's love connected with that big last day, we can see God's love connected with our personal last day, the day of our death. 
When we see that victory connected with the big last day, we can see that victory connected with our personal last day, the day of our death. Get the connection? Because of Christ's resurrection, death is actually a victory because it will be followed by our resurrection. And we make that connection between Christ's resurrection and our own, not cognitively, but ontologically through faith. Believe it. Make the connection. And look forward to that day when we will truly rise and shine forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.